Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I am preaching through the book of Exodus. I'm loving every minute of it. It's been a great study for me personally. I've heard from a lot of you that you're really enjoying it. We're, we're going to uh, continue to do that next week. But we're going to step outside of that this week. I prayed a lot about this thought a lot about this over the last several days. I'm sure most of you have already heard at this point, uh, but Seth Chapman, 21-year-old college student, passed away very unexpectedly on Wednesday evening. Seth grew up here. Uh, Seth's family has been here for many years, and this has been a very difficult several days for a lot of people, my family included. Uh, I was close to Seth. Seth and I had a lot of uh, great conversations over the years, spent time together He'd come to my house on numerous occasions. He'd spent the night at my house leading a disciple now group. And, and so for me personally, for my family, and for my church, this has really been a, a difficult several days. And so I don't know if Reggie and Elise are watching from home, Matthew, Riley, any of the other family, but we love you guys. We're praying for you. Our, our church has surrounded this family, has loved them, has taken them food, has prayed with them, has prayed for them. That will continue. I just want to encourage you. Uh, to keep this family in your thoughts and, and especially in your prayers. Visitation will be here on Tuesday from 1030 to 1230 and then a funeral at 2 p.m. And so you can just pray for that family. You can continue to love that family. But I wanted to kind of take this opportunity as I prayed through whether to speak uh, on Exodus to continue or to kind of step outside. I just wanted to take this tragedy uh, and help us understand and help us be reminded as a, as a church as we walk through this together, I want to be reminded this morning of the goodness of God. Because sometimes in the midst of tragedy, we forget. Sometimes in the midst of tragedy, we need to be reminded of God's joy, of God's promises, and especially of the hope that we find only in Christ. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, Paul talked a lot about renewal. Paul talked a lot about renewing our minds, and Paul talked a lot about walking through tragedy and difficulties and struggles, but he talked about finding hope in the midst of those moments. And so we're going to take a look this morning as we think about renewal and finding hope in Christ. We're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. And I pray through this process, uh, I pray through this sermon this morning that regardless of where you are, 
regardless of the struggle that you're walking through, regardless of the pain that may be in your heart from, from other circumstances, whether it's the one I mentioned already this morning or other things you're dealing with, I pray that through what the Lord says to you through his word, you can find joy and hope and peace. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. The words of Paul. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, how do we find hope in tragedy? How, how do we find peace in difficult times? I want to remind you of some truth that the Lord gives us. I want to remind you of his word, and I want to remind you that as we live it out and we apply it to our lives, God uses that and changes us and molds us more and more into his image. So here's the first truth I want you to get, number one. We don't lose heart if we are being renewed. We don't lose heart if we are being renewed. Now, Paul reminds us here that life can be hard. And you probably don't need Paul to remind you of that. Most of us have kind of already figured that out. We understand the struggles of life. We understand the difficulties of life. Paul, previous in this chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, had said we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed, right? It's easy to lose heart. And Paul kind of continues that line of thinking in verse 16. He talks about wasting away. 17, the, the afflictions and the, the, the trials and the troubles we face. 18, he says that we're focusing on the wrong things. And it's very easy for us to get discouraged. It's very easy for us to lose sight of the bigger picture. It's very easy for us to get kind of mired in the struggles of life. It's very easy for us to, to lose that joy. But we need to remind, we need to be reminded, even in difficult circumstances, even in very difficult situations, there is always hope in Christ. Now, Paul uses this interesting comparison here that I want you to see. Paul uses this comparison between the inward and the outward. And Paul uses the inward and the outward to kind of help us understand this, this scriptural truth of Christianity that a lot of times we miss. Right? The outward are the things that take place outside of us. So the world, the, the people around us, the, the circumstances of life, those are the outward. And the outward things can be very difficult. When we think about the tragedy that our church has faced over the last several days, that's incredibly difficult to walk through. We think about the struggles that so many people have faced over the years. We think about the problems that we have at work or in our marriage or with our children or, or health concerns or financial concerns. All those things are outward. Those are things that are kind of outside who we are. Paul contrasts those things with the inward, right? Our thoughts and our emotions and our, our attitudes. And here's the problem we have as believers. Now watch, this is the problem we have. Oftentimes we allow the outward to control the inward, right? 
So we allow the bad things of life, the struggles that we face, the, the circumstances that surround us. Oftentimes we allow those things to kind of invade our lives and, and invade the inward part of who we are. And if we're not careful, the inward is controlled by the outward. Very easy to do. In fact, it's kind of human nature. We get bogged down in the struggles and the confusion and the sin of the world and the sorrow and our circumstances oftentimes will dictate how we feel and how we think and how we act, right? Paul wants us to understand the outward shouldn't control the inward. It really should be the opposite. Right? As followers of Christ, our trust in Jesus should control who we are. Our hope in him, our joy in him, not, comes from, not, not that comes from our own strength, but comes from within, from him, from Christ with us, from the Holy Spirit leading us and empowering us. That inward strength found in Jesus should live within us and really dictate how we live on the outside, not vice versa. And when you begin to think about it like that, it kind of reverses roles, right? You don't have to be sad when outward things are taking place you don't like. You don't have to feel like you're mired in the sin of the world. The inward can instead control the outward. Now, the, the Lord speaks about this on several different occasions. And, and one of the, the easiest examples in, is in Matthew chapter 6. And you don't have to flip there if you don't want to, but I want you to listen. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he goes up on top of this mountain, basically, and preaches the greatest sermon ever known. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he covers a lot of topics. There's a lot of things he talks about. But in Matthew chapter 6, he covers this idea of giving to the needy, of praying, and of fasting. And there's some, there's some themes that really run through this, but there's one in particular I'd like to draw your attention to. So let me just read it. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 2, the words of Jesus as he's preaching. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in their synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Man, there's a lot in there about our heart. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving, watch, may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse five, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others their fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast... Put oil on your head, wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father, watch, who sees what is done in secret will reward you, right? There's this idea built into these verses in Matthew chapter 6 that Christ teaches that there's this inward versus outward. There's this outward appearance. There's this outward action. There's the things that we say and do on the outside. And then there's this inner hope 
and peace and focus on the things of the Lord. And sometimes we confuse those things. One writer said it like this, the outer person is what belongs to this world that is temporary and crumbling and what those who only evaluate things from a fleshly perspective can see. By contrast, the inner person belongs to what has ultimate significance and is being transformed and prepared for resurrection life through God's matchless power. We don't lose hope because we're being renewed. We don't lose hope because we find this peace in the Lord, right? It's this daily time of prayer or study or seeking the Lord or whatever that might look like for you. You're being renewed inwardly so you can deal with the outward and find hope in Christ. I want you to see this because there's something that Paul mentions here that's important. Pull up verse 16 if you would for me, please. I want you to see verse 16. Listen to what Paul says here. We do not lose heart though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed. How often? Day by day. I see this a lot with people. I have conversations on a pretty regular basis with people about their walk with Christ or their, their growth or, or kind of a moving closer to the things of the Lord. And I've seen this dozens of times over the years. I see the person that kind of comes to this realization that they need to do something different. Maybe they need to kind of rededicate themselves or maybe they need to pray to receive Christ for the first time or, or different situations for different people. But I've seen it a hundred times where people kind of start really fast. And they get excited about something. And they come out of the gates at 100 miles an hour. And they run as fast as they can for two or three or four weeks or a month or two or three. And all of a sudden, they've done so much so fast, they burn out. And then they don't do anything. We need to contrast that and understand that the Christian life isn't a sprint. It's more like a marathon. And it's really not about how fast you start. It's about how fast you finish. And Paul says, listen, you need to understand your walk with Christ is a day-by-day -day process. Slow and steady wins the race, right? A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And it's, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have times where you fail. You're going to have times where you make mistakes. There's going to be times you do things you shouldn't have done or times you, you step away from the things of the Lord. It's this process of always remembering this is an ongoing deal for me. I'm going to learn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. I'm going to grow and grow and grow. It's kind of like looking at pictures of your family or especially children, and you look at pictures from several years ago, and you're amazed at how much your kids have grown. When they're little, even a couple of years makes a, a significant difference. Like if I looked at pictures of my kids from three years ago, they look very different than they do now. We miss that when we see them every day because they're small little incremental changes. But when you look back three years or five years or 10 years, you see massive differences, right? It ought to be like that when we walk with Christ. We ought to look at kind of a snapshot of our life and realize we look very different now than we looked two years ago or four years ago or eight years ago. Why? Because we're being renewed day by day. There's this process that even though the outward is wasting away, even though the world is kind of spinning out of control, inwardly we're not going to lose hope why because day by day we're being renewed if, if you're looking for kind of a secret or a magic bullet that ought to be one of them 
Because if you think for one second you're going to grow in your walk with Christ without a daily time, without being renewed on a daily basis, you're missing it. If you think you can just show up on Sunday morning and get everything you ever need and be good and kind of close this up and put it on the shelf until next Sunday at 9 o'clock, or whatever, get it off and come back to church and open it once a week, if you think that's going to allow you to grow in your walk with Christ, you're missing it. Paul says we're being renewed day by day. And when we do that, regardless of the circumstances of life, we will not lose heart. That's what the scripture teaches. Now look at verse 16 again. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Here's the second truth I want you to see. We don't lose heart if we have the correct perspective. We don't lose heart if we're being renewed day by day. We also don't lose heart if we have the correct perspective. Now I want you to notice what Paul says in verse 17 here. It's important. He uses an interesting phrase here. He talks about this light, momentary affliction, right? Paul wants us to kind of get this biblical truth. Let me just summarize this truth for you very simply. Paul says, our troubles are not eternal, they are temporary. This is a light, momentary affliction. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever struggle you're walking through, Whatever baggage you bring to the table, you need to be reminded it's temporary. Paul says we need to have a different perspective, right? We don't need to keep the things of this earth front and center. We need to live our lives here, bring glory to Christ while we're here, but we always need to be looking to the eternal. There's something far greater waiting for us than we have here. And it's all about perspective. We, we had the opportunity last night with my family to do the walkthrough at Callaway Gardens through the fantasy of lies. Anybody ever done that before? Anybody do that this year or done it before? You, where you walk through? A few of you. Yeah. Let me tell you, when you go to Callaway Gardens and you go to Fantasy and Lights and you ride the trolley, man, it's great. It's easy. You just get in the seat. Uh, Snowflake, whatever the name of the horse is, right? He's making little sounds over the speaker. And you're riding through, galloping through the country. Music's playing. You're waving at the other trolley. It's just a fun, festive atmosphere. You just sit there real still for about 30 minutes. Then it's over and you get out again, right? When you walk through it, that's seven miles. That's a long walk through those lights. And you're getting to, getting to certain things, certain trees. I mean, how much longer do we have to walk? I joked with Amy last year that I thought we decided about halfway through we will never do this again last year. But Amy didn't get that note, so she bought us tickets again this year. And I was happy to go. I'm a good husband. I was so happy to go and be with my wife. Just a picture of joy right here, a picture of joy. I'm good at that, man. And we had a really good time. It was a lot of fun, right? But there's a different perspective when you're walking through seven or eight miles versus just easily riding through, right? I've been telling my kids really since they can uh, remember probably that a lot of life is about your attitude, is about your perspective. If you can have the right attitude, you can do anything with the right attitude. I can remember I used to, when I worked at Rockridge, one of my favorite things to do when I was on staff was clean the toilets. And I'm being very honest. 
one of the reasons I like to do it is because nobody else would, and I was the head of staff, and so I had to do it. But I just kind of found this place of joy. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I enjoyed doing it. I loved it. I had fun doing it. I put on big gloves, had a bucket full of Lysol. I just went to work on those things, man. Just showing those things who was boss. I just cleaned them. When I finished, it was just covered in Lysol and smelled good. And I found joy in that. I really did. It's by perspective. But our perspective in life, oftentimes, it's what's right in front of our face, isn't it? It's the temporal. We get so blinded by the things of this world, we forget that there's a glorious heaven that's waiting for us. We forget this is not our home. Paul says we need to understand these are light momentary afflictions, right? But here's another perspective we need to get. Look at verse 17 again. I want you to notice what he says here. For this light momentary affliction, there's a reason here, is preparing for us. You see that in verse 17? This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Here's the way you need to see this, right? What the Lord is doing in your life right now, the struggle that you're walking through, whatever that might be, is preparing your heart for something greater. You understand that? That's a very different perspective. That's a very different understanding. So you kind of take that thought and, and take that biblical truth, we, we maybe begin to ask ourselves this question. Have we ever considered that the difficulties we're facing are God's means by which to demonstrate his glory in our life? Have you ever thought about that? Like, like, what if God is allowing you to walk through struggles so he could demonstrate his power and glory to you? Interesting question. You say, is there anything that talks about that in scripture, the idea that we're, we're going through maybe a difficult time only so the Lord can demonstrate his power and glory. Yeah, there's a great example, John chapter nine. I just want you to listen. Here's what John chapter nine, talking about Jesus, beginning in verse two says, as he, this is Jesus, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's a good question. Like, who did something wrong, Jesus? This guy's blind, who sinned? Here's the answer Jesus gave, verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This man went through a great struggle. Why? So the Lord could receive honor and glory. You know, sometimes we, we think about the struggles that people go through and we fail to understand that maybe the Lord's allowing those people to walk through them so that his glory can be displayed. What if you started seeing the struggles you're living through right now as an opportunity to display the glory of the Lord? What if you begin to see these opportunities as chances for you to grow in your walk as God is preparing you for something greater? What, what if we kept the, the outside world outside and were renewed inwardly through Christ, always keeping the right perspective, realizing that we're going through these outward struggles very simply so Christ can strengthen us on the inside. What if we begin to see our troubles and our struggles and the problems we face like that? How differently would we respond? Now let's wind this thing down. Look at verse 16 again. So we do not lose heart, right? Though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day, right? We're renewed day by day, trust in Christ. Verse 17, for this light momentary affliction, all the things we're going through is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, verse 18, not to the things that are seen, 
but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So, so we don't lose heart when we're being renewed. We don't lose heart when we keep the right perspective. And truth number three, we don't lose heart if we fix our eyes on Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, why, why would Paul teach this over and over through the New Testament, which he does? Why would Paul continually remind us to keep our eyes on the eternal, to keep our eyes on Christ? Why would he continue to say that to us? Because he knows we're so short-sighted in so many ways. He knows we get blinded by the things of the world, right? We keep our eyes on all sorts of things other than Jesus. And, and we're kind of creatures of, of instant gratification oftentimes. That's why it's so hard for so many people, myself included, by the way, to lose weight. Because that Twinkie right now tastes a lot better than losing five pounds wheel too much down the road. It's just a lot easier to eat than them. And that instant gratification, right? We see what's right in front of our faces instead of what's going to come. We do this in life. Time and time and time again, we do this in life. Paul says, listen, we need to be reminded to focus on the eternal. Imagine how differently we would live if we set aside the things of the world in favor of the things of Christ. Imagine how our perspective would be different if we realized this is not our home. But there's an eternal glory waiting for us that far outweighs anything we'll ever do here. The Bible talks about this. You can, you can look ahead to passages of Scripture that look to Jesus and what it will one day be like to live with him. One great example is Revelation 21.4. I want you to listen to what it says. Looking ahead, it says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Don't you long for the day when there won't be any more death or mourning or crying or pain? Don't you long for the day when the old will have passed and the new has come? Like this world is temporary. And it's oftentimes when we face a great tragedy like our churches face these last few days that we're kind of confronted with this realization that life is not permanent that one day it will end. I did like so many other people over the last couple of days. I, I scrolled back through a lot of the things that Seth had written. Social media is good and bad. One of the good things is it, I guess it kind of keeps a, a track, a record of who we are. And as I scrolled back, I, I found one of the posts about a year ago, a little over a year ago, August from 2020, and, and several people have posted this on their stories. I want to read it. I think it's very profound what Seth said. He quoted Genesis 1.1. He said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then here's what Seth Chapman said. I believe that in every other verse in the Bible because it is the actual word spoken by God. His breath on pages given to us. Whoever's reading this right now, I want you to know that you are wonderfully and beautifully made by a creator who loves you more than anything. You could find rest in that. I know I have. It's a joy and peace which can be found only in a relationship with our Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus was sent to this earth by God, lived a perfect life, 
was beaten and crucified on the cross and rose three days later. This is the gospel of Christ. And whoever declares with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believes in their heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now listen to this last part. This is crucial. This is what he said. This world is temporary. Our home lies after we close our eyes and breathe our last breath. And it will either be spent in hell, eternally separated from Christ, or in heaven, eternally celebrating with him. This world is temporary. We're never guaranteed tomorrow. What are you going to do today to live for Christ? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your glory and for your majesty, for your holiness. Father, we thank you for joy in the midst of struggle. We thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you for what Christ accomplished on the cross for us. Lord, I pray that you would just work in our hearts right now, Lord. I pray you would strengthen us, encourage us. Father, may we take our eyes off the things of this world. Forgive us, Father. We repent of the sin, Lord, of focusing on the things of this world. And instead, we look to you. Encourage us. Strengthen us. Give us the ability to trust you more and more, to do great things for your kingdom. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.